We are back with Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher, family physician, running down the latest COVID headlines. Dr. Gorfinkel, there's a new study out that says severe COVID infection, severe COVID results in cognitive impairment that is similar to, how about this, 20 years of aging. Now, this is a headline that's going to get a lot of people's attention. Can you explain this a little further for us? Yeah, so these researchers out of the UK, super interesting what they did. They looked at 46 people who are... These patients hospitalized between March and July of 2020. So this wasn't Omicron. This was pre-vaccine. But what they found was this. They had their own unique form of dementia. That's what I found fascinating about it. It didn't, it involved fatigue, brain fog, sleep disturbance, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. They had slower processing speed. And they were worse in patients who were in the ICU than in patients who were hospitalized. All right. Now, they're saying as well that this equates to the loss of roughly a 10 IQ points. And if somebody has had uh, been infected with severe COVID, again, this cognitive impairment, if you're 50, this takes you roughly to 70 years old? It's fascinating. That was the amount of cognitive decline they had seen. So what that says is that individuals who are hospitalized or and, and of these 46 patients they looked at, 16 of them were on a ventilator. So that's how sick they were. We're not talking about average disease here. We're talking about pre people who were not vaccinated, people who had a worse variant, not Omicron, but the original variant mostly. And, and these were their outcomes. We know that hospitalization, especially ICU, when it's prolonged, it's going to have some pretty bad outcomes. It's hard. The PTSD, I have seen my own death potentially. You know, 50% of people who have heart attacks are going to have major depressions after having been hospitalized for that. You know, so these things are very real. Hospitalizations are very costly in terms of our emotional state, in terms of our cognitive state. But what's fascinating about this study is that it shows that it's its own unique fingerprint. The COVID-19 hospitalization causes its own constellation of brain fog, sleep disturbance, anxiety, and, and unfortunately, recovery was found to be very slow because when they checked these patients 10 months later, their recovery was, they were making some progress, but it wasn't exactly great. Mm-hmm. So it is, it, it, it's concerning what it points out about the very real harms of patients that patients face who are hospitalized in an ICU. Okay, that may answer my next question about this cognitive impairment. Is it permanent? Is it reversible? So there are patients showing some signs of recovery, but it's, uh, it's slow. Well, this is it. So they have 10 months of follow-up on these patients, and they were able to fo- show that some of them were getting a little better, but recovery was slow. In fact, one of the researchers called it very slow. So can they improve over time? They may be able to. And, you know, it, it's hard. It, it's, a slow, it's a slow go with these things. Yeah, and is this just a, another warning for those that are not taking COVID seriously or maybe you've got COVID uh, fatigue that, uh, you know, again, we're just learning. We're finding out stuff about COVID uh, as we go here that we didn't know 
maybe even just weeks ago, uh, certainly uh, months or uh, years ago, and that this is just another sign of, uh, you know, COVID, it's uh, damage, what it can do to somebody, and that uh, we got to be wary of these things. Well, it certainly is a kick in the pants to the vaccine hesitant, potentially, for those who have not been vaccinated, for those 50% of Canadians who still need to get that booster shot. This is a reason. We don't want people to wind up in hospital. And there's no question, calling yourself fully vaccinated is no longer two shots, period. It is at least three shots. And I'm having this conversation repeatedly with my own patients, telling them, begging, pleading, get that third vaccine to lock in that immunity. You know, and a lot of them, the reason they don't want to get it is because they don't have a clear end in their mind. Where does it end? So if I get the third, does that mean I have to get a fourth? And I say, today is the day. Let us see what the data show us tomorrow. But for now, fully vaccinated is three doses, period, end of story. That's what it is. It it helps reduce hospitalization and the potential for severe outcomes like this. And it also helps so-called, and I say so-called, mild cases. You know, so that reduces it by 50%. These are imperfectly moving parts, I get that, which is the argument for continued masking and, you know, making sure we wash our hands. All right. And planning also for the future is Moderna. Big announcement earlier this week that they have confirmed they've chosen Montreal as the location for their Canadian mRNA vaccine manufacturing plant. Just how big and how important is this news that Moderna is setting up shop in Montreal and that we will have a Canadian facility producing these mRNA vaccines? I am so excited. You know, think about it. The capacity is 30 million doses of vaccines in a year. Canada will have priority access. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we don't have to look very far in the past. We cannot produce enough vaccines. And now we are ready. This is going to be a game changer for sure. And Canada also gets to dictate exactly what that factory is going to make. And this isn't just about COVID-19. COVID-19, well, hopefully we'll be able to talk about the end of the pandemic. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, but we can talk about that eventually. This also, it impacts flu vaccines, HIV potentially, Zika, rabies, cancer, tremendously, you know, great potential here. So we do need further long-term studies. There are questions around how durable, how long-lasting the immunity will be and proved eventually from these messenger RNA vaccines. But excited? I think every scientist in Canada is excited about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are vital. These are vital vaccines, these mRNA vaccines, as we move forward. And the capacity as well. Uh, We understand that Moderna will be able to produce, once this plant is up and running, some uh, 30 million doses of vaccine uh, per year. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So would they hope to start building this at the to-be-determined location within Montreal within the next couple of years? But one thing I was a little confused about in the reading, they said, oh, the vaccines should be ready by 2024. Question mark? I think that's going to take a little longer. So I don't know that we can look forward to seeing vaccines out of our Canadian manufacturing plant that soon. But let's just hope that it happens 
within the next five years. I mm-hmm. think that's probably more fair. All right. That day, though, is on the horizon. Dr. Gorfinkel, many thanks as always. Thank you so much for joining us on a Wednesday. As always, we will talk again next week. It's always a pleasure. Take good care. You too. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher. Stay with us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.